Hey everyone, welcome to the Broadway Brains by Lucy podcast dedicated to bringing the arts right to your doorstep. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode. This time it's with George Salazar, who most recently was playing Seymour in the Little Shop of Horrors in the Pasadena Playhouse. You may also know him from originating the role of Michael Mel in Be More Chill, as well as Grover and Mr. D in the Lightning Thief musical. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Thanks so much for coming. So first off, could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is George Salazar. Um, I am an actor, musician. Um, I'm half Ecuadorian and half Filipino, uh, which makes me um, very unique. Um, what else? Um, when I was a kid, I want, really wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And then I, um, started getting involved in my high school drama club and I fell in love with theater through that. And then eventually got um, accepted into a musical theater program at the university of Florida. Uh, so I ditched my plans to become a neurosurgeon. Um, and focused on um, starting my training as an actor. And then I moved to New York after I graduated and was lucky to get to do some really great shows um, on Broadway and off Broadway. And I did a national tour of a show very early in my career. Um, The last Broadway show I did was a show called Be More Chill, which was a show that changed my life. And um, I love it very, very much. I got to do it on Broadway with my friends. And then um, the show closed and I moved to L.A. to do a production of Little Shop of Horrors at the Pasadena Playhouse. And um, I moved to L.A. to try something new. You know, I'd been in New York doing theater for over a decade. And, um, you know, I felt like it was the right time for me to take a big leap of faith and try, um, try L.A. out. And so far it's been good. It's been really good. So kind of elaborating on what you said earlier, what really got you started in the performing arts? Yeah, so I was always like a class clown and I always loved performing and my mom is a very proud Filipino mom and so she would always make me perform for her friends and our family members. And um, so I always had like, you know, a little bit of an interest, but we never really saw musicals growing up. Like that wasn't like a, a family um, tradition. We we uh, we went and saw movies a lot, but I didn't really see myself in movies like I didn't see actors who looked like me. So it never really crossed my mind that I could do this for my life you know? Um, and I used to like to rewrite pop songs with funny lyrics and I would sing them for my friends in, in class. And one day I sang a song that I, um, a funny parody and the head of the drama club heard me sing and invited me to audition for the school play. And I'd never done anything like that before. So, um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was auditioning for little shop of horrors and I got to play Seymour Krellborn in my first show. That's how it all got started. Yeah, and that's what most recent happened, so it feels like a full circle. Yeah. So I was asking some friends for questions, and one question they really had is, like, what got you started wearing bandanas in your hair? Yeah. Um, So back in 2017, and it it just happened to 
be around the time that Be More Chill started getting like popular and viral online. Um, I was doing a play in Connecticut and, um, and, uh, I was, I had a lot of free time because it was a three person play. It was me, um, an actress in her, I would say probably late forties to early fifties and then another actress in her seventies. So there was a lot of free time for me because it's not like we really hung out that much, (laughs) as a group. So I started working out a lot and, um, my hair has always been short on the sides and long on top. And when you're working out, like the, you don't want this to happen. Like your hair gets in your face. So I, I started wearing headbands to keep my hair out of my face while I worked out. And one day I was in the elevator at the building that I was living in, in Connecticut. And I looked at my reflection and I said, wait, I could probably like wear this out, like when I'm not working out. And so I just started wearing them and, um, they became like my like go-to accessory. I should have known. I should have worn one for our interview today. (laughs) No, it's totally fine. It's just like, there are a lot of photos of you out there and my friends and my friends were always like, you know, when I was researching about him, it seemed like he was always wearing one. Yeah. Some, someone said to me once, oh, wow, that's what your forehead looks like. I thought it was like covered in scars or something. <laughs> yeah. What were some steps that you took to educate yourself in like musical theater after you like, like guess pursued it, like yeah. education wise, like did you go to college or did you do lessons? Yeah, um, I was kind of self-taught in high school. Um, I didn't know that I could sing, but um, but I did it. And then when I went to college, I went to school for musical theater. So my training was, you know, one third of it was acting classes, and then one third of it was dance classes, and then one third of it was music classes. So I learned a lot during my time there. I learned about music theory. I learned how to tap dance. Um, and it was uh, all new things for me because, again, I, I never took lessons or private coachings um, in high school. And then when I moved to New York, um, the thing about an, an actor is we never stop learning. We're constantly learning. And so every time I get a chance to work with an actor that I like really respect and admire, I borrow some things from them, you know? And we we all make each other better. And so I've learned a lot. Um, I think the majority of my of my lessons have been from getting to work with people like Uzo Aduba and Lindsay Mendez and um, Ruthie Ann Miles, you know, all of these um incredible actresses who I just got to sit back and watch them do their thing. And then I was like, I want to do stuff like that. That's how it all, that's how, that's where the bulk of my learning comes from is like actual on, on the job experience. Yeah. So now that we've kind of touched a little bit about you, I wanted to talk about one of your shows from like the earlier, a little earlier from the lightning thief. Yeah. So had you read or watched the movies before? I had not read the book. I had not watched the movies when the offer came in. Mm -hmm. The director of The Lightning Thief is this guy, Stephen Brackett, and he was the director of Be More Chill. And um, the book writer of The Lightning Thief is Joe Trace, who is also the book writer for Be More Chill. And then the composer of The Lightning Thief is my dear friend, Robert Kiki. um, And I met him through working with Joe Iconis from Be More Chill. And so um, so they 
um, they were expanding The Lightning Thief. It originally was a one-hour musical that toured schools, and then they wanted to expand it into a full-length two-act musical. And so I joined the team when they were expanding it. Um, And before we started rehearsals, I read the books. And I stayed away from the movies because the movies are really bad. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you had said you were only watching the movie and not the book, I would probably have to cut that out because, like, people would be, like, really bad. They'd be like, the movies are not good. Yeah, if I had said that I just watched the movies, I would have given you permission to just fully hang up on me right now. (laughs) Yeah, so what was your kind of reaction to this kind of musical? Um, I fell in love with it. So initially, um, I was just going to play Grover. And one day in rehearsal, um, the actor who was going to be playing, um, who was the, I don't remember. One of the other actors was um, also going to play Mr. D in like very short scenes. And one day that actor had an audition during rehearsal time. So he had to leave to go to his audition. And I was like, ooh, can I read for Mr. D while he's gone? And they were like, oh, yes, George, of course. So um, so we're reading it. And later that night, the director called me and he said, George, the team, the writers really loved your take on Mr. D. And we just want to find out if you would be okay with playing both Grover and Mr. D. And obviously that would mean that any scenes that Grover's in, Mr. D can't be there. And any scenes that Mr. D is in, Grover can't be in those scenes. Um, And I was like, oh my God, I would love to, yes. And so we started to develop, the next day they wrote Another Terrible Day, which was Mr. D's like big number. Um, They wrote it that night and then I learned it the next day. And that's how the Mr. D um, Grover track was created. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I'm, I've always been such a huge fan in fantasy and mythology. And, um, also I've always loved musicals that are sure like based in reality, but there's still some really like fantastical elements to the story. Um, and I've always loved like action movies too. And the the thing I love most about the lighting thief is that it kind of melds all of those things together. So you have, um, you have action scenes, you have music, you have really emotional scenes. You have really goofy and silly scenes. There was something in that play for every audience member. Yeah. So one of my questions is Do you have a preference for which is your favorite character to play, Grover or Mr. D? It's very hard to choose between the two of them. And I have to say, I love both of them equally because Grover loves Percy and Mr. D hates Percy. So every day I got to do that show, it felt so like such a full experience. Like I felt like I ate like a huge meal. I was so full because I got to play both, um, both sides of, of that kind of dynamic. Um, and it was really a lot of fun. So it's hard. It's hard to pick between the two. Yeah. So what was the audition process for this? Like, because you kind of already knew some of the people in the creative team and you got an offer. So did you audition or was it just an offer? 
It was just an offer. Um, we had we had just done Be More Chill in New Jersey. This was like the very first production. And then um, a couple months later, they reached out and they were like, Grover is kind of like Michael. And we love what you did with Michael. And we think you can really bring something cool to, to Grover. And then from there, it grew into also Mr. D. And I never really get to play like mean people um, uh, very often. And really ever. I'm always playing sweet people. So it was really nice to get to play someone who was like scary and mean. Yeah. So kind of elaborating on that, what was your favorite part about that like overall experience or the role? Yeah, I for my favorite moment for Mr. D is very early when before we even started rehearsals for the production, we were doing what's called developmental readings. So before a show gets all the money it needs to be produced, there'll be a very small reading where they invite, um, you know, potential investors and producers to come see the cast stand behind music stands and we just read and sing. There are no costumes, no set changes, no lights. It's just very, all about the words and all about the music. And um, I wanted to find a, a, a really strong way to um, decipher between Grover and Mr. D because I couldn't, I couldn't really do the Grover walk because I had to stand behind a music stand. Uh, and so I wanted to find a way to announce every time that I was being Mr. D. Um, and so what I would do is we sat on these folding metal chairs and every time a Mr. D scene happened, I stood up and I kicked the chair behind me or I would pick it up and throw it across the room. And it was like, it would make all this like loud noise. And that choice that I made in that, in that little room ended up going with the show when we did the full production. Um, I would uh, pick up the chair and throw it against the wall. And uh, and so the chair acting, I think, was my favorite part about Mr. D. Gro my favorite thing about Grover, my favorite part of the show was probably singing Tree on a Hill. Um, because throughout the whole show up until that point, Grover is really hard on himself and he is protecting Percy and he's a good friend, right? And then in that moment, he has a moment alone because um, Annabeth and... Percy's asleep on the bus. And so he has this moment um, all to himself where he can share his vulnerability with the audience and um, share the story of Talia and what the sacrifices that she made and how he still feels responsible for her, uh, for her death. And um, to be able to play a character that is lovable and silly, but then has like a really serious moment um, is that's 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 like that's like all I can ask for as an actor. Yeah, when you had read to Tree to the Hill, I just like forgot about it, and then I started to get teary for some reason because it's such an emotional, deep song. It is. It's emotionally deep, and it's it kind of comes in a really surprising moment, right? Because there are all these action sequences as they're trying to get to the underworld, and um, and. So I think people expect like that same level of energy. And then all of a sudden you have this ballad where Grover, who is the protector and the sweetest, the sweetest boy ever, um, is, um, you know, he really like l lays his heart out on the table for the audience. Yeah. So what was it like playing like multiple roles and having to like switch back between like super different personalities? 
Um, that was interesting. Um, we had to do really fast, quick changes. I think the fastest quick change I had to do was like in 10 seconds. So in 10 seconds, I had to take the Grover shoes off and I had to take the Grover pants off, which were fur. And then I'd take the shirt off and I'd take the hat off. And then I had to put Mr. D's pants on, put Mr. D's shoes on, put Mr. D's shirt and put Mr. D's hat on. And I had about 10 seconds to do that. The unsung heroes of the theater are the are the backstage crew, right? Actors get all the love. Actors get all the love. They get the Instagram likes and blah, blah, blah. But the real heroes of the theater are the dressers, the wardrobe team backstage, because they're the ones who make sure that we you know, don't look messy when we go on stage. They make sure that our shirts are buttoned and that we have all the things we need. And then also you have your run crew backstage too. And sometimes when there's a bind, maybe something happens with the costume and something gets stuck, um, the the backstage run crew will come on and they'll help you out as well. So there's such a team effort happening backstage in theater that I like love. It's my favorite. I think one of my favorite things about working in the theater is what is that stage where you go from rehearsal room to the theater and then you get to meet all these other people who are going to be really crucial um, parts of the process of putting on a show. Yeah. So um, what came so sorry. Weird, my brain was just in a bunch right now, but kind of contrasting that, what was your, what is your most challenging part about playing that overall or like playing that characters? Um, I think it would be Mr. D's voice. So I wanted to, you know, how Grover has a, his own walk. Uh, Mr. D had his own walk, but I also wanted to find a difference in the voicing of the characters. So, you know, Grover's like, he like kind of exists close to where my speaking voice is, but he, everything kind of has like a rhythm and it's kind of song almost. And then Mr. D lives down here. He like like lives in his throat. And so balancing those two character voices was really hard on my voice. It was very tiring. So, um, you know, when I wasn't at the show, I had to go, you know, when the show was over, I would do the stage door and then I would go home and I would drink lots of water and immediately go to sleep. And then I would sleep for like 10 hours a night because the the best thing to help your voice is sleep. That's the number one most helpful thing is to get a really good amount of sleep because while you're sleeping, your body is healing itself from all of the stress that you put it through the day before. Um, And so balancing um, those voices and then also having a life, (laughs) you know, like hanging out with my friends and, you know, sometimes I couldn't talk, so I would carry a little a little uh, dry erase board and I would write messages to my friends. Um, that's that's always the most difficult part of really doing any show, but especially with The Lightning Thief because Mr. D's voice was so, um, so like rough and gruff, you know? Yeah. Speaking of kind of like vocal rest, I've been seeing those like masks now and they just say like vocal rest. <laughs> <laughs> I should get one of those. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So now I wanted to talk about your... Well, I guess not your most recent show. Your most recent Broadway show, I guess. Um, Be More Chill. So how did you get, like, the news of the Be More Chill show? Because this was even kind of before Lightning Thief, the New Jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I auditioned for another show that Joe Iconis wrote called The Black Suits. And I was too old for the part. 
And um, I asked him for feedback. I was like, how, how was it? How was I? Was I okay? Was I bad? And he was like, oh, no, you were great, George. They just wanted to go with someone younger. And he said, but I'm writing a new show. Uh, it's called Be More Chill. And we're not done writing it yet. But when we are finished, we're going to have a developmental reading. And I would love for you to come in and, and read for the best friend. And so I joined them for that, learned all the music, learned Michael in the bathroom. Um, and then we, um, about maybe a year later, we went to New Jersey and we did the show there. And then it kind of um, fizzled out um, uh, until 2017 when people discovered it on the internet and then made it a, a big thing. And I think that's something that a lot of people have talked about, especially like with social media. The internet is like such a like powerful, doesn't seem like the right thing, but it's like a really influential thing that can happen. So for that, were you also offered or was it an audition process? That was also an offer because um, once I, so usually what happens is when they, at, when, um, when a show goes into developmental readings and they ask you to do it, and without auditioning, usually what happens is you, if you do a good job and they're happy with your work, then you kind of, you're kind of a shoe in you're guaranteed to get to do the show. And so that's what happened with Be More Chill as well. Um, I, I did send a tape of me doing a scene because we switched directors right before we went to New Jersey. Uh, and the new director just wanted to see me do the scenes. So I did send a little tape of me doing scenes. Um, and then I got the job and um, we started rehearsals. And then when Be More Chill um, started getting popular, Joe Iconis and I and our friend Jen Tepper um, started taking meetings with producers to show them, like, look at the numbers from the internet. Like, Michael in the Bathroom has been streamed, like, you know, over over like a million times already. And it never had a life in New York. And that's really bizarre and, and not normal. And so um, so we started talking to producers and then Joe took a meeting with, uh, with, the, with a producer who ended up really wanting to produce it in New York. And I was celebrating my birthday um, uh, upstate New York and Joe emailed me um, and was like, can I call you? And so Joe called me and then he said, don't tell anyone yet, but we are going to do the show off Broadway. We found a producer who wants to do it. And I cried on the phone <laughs> like a little baby because Be More Chill had always through the years been like one of the highlights of my life. It brought me closer to Joe and made Joe a, both a friend and a collaborator. And so I was just like genuinely so excited to get to do it. And then when we found out we were going to Broadway, that was also a secret. And they um, they called us in for an emergency rehearsal. And we got there and there were cameras everywhere. And we were like, why are they filming this rehearsal? And that's when they told us we were going to Broadway. And then I cried again. <laughs> I cry a lot. I've cried a lot on my Be More Chill journey. Yeah. So had the musical. I, I thought it was a play for a second, but I was like, it's not a play. It's a musical. And... What had, were there any big changes that had happened throughout like the original New Jersey production to Broadway? I have to say, Lucy, you're such a fabulous and amazing interviewer. These questions are so great. 
Um, so I'm honored to be on your show. First <laughs> Thank and foremost. you. Um, as far as changes, yeah, we went through a lot of changes. Joe is the type of composer that is a perfectionist. And so he's never going to write something and then go, it's perfect, leave it as it is. Uh, and so when we moved to um, Off-Broadway, he really wanted to focus on um, really developing the side characters, right? Uh, because in New Jersey, it was really a story about Jeremy, and you never really understood what made all the other students in the school um, act the way that they acted, right? So when we moved to New York, his focus was we want to understand why the students behave the way they behave. And so that involved expanding um, some moments uh, that involved the other students in the school. And, um, and then he wrote a new song called Loser Geek Whatever that was the new act one finale for Jeremy to sing. And um, there were other changes when we got to Broadway, like because we had more money and because it was a big theater, we got to use a fly system. So during smartphone hour, usually I would run out in my like girl outfit and would dance. But this time on Broadway, they put us, they strapped me into the fly system and I got to be lowered in a little like box. Um, and so there were a lot of like really cool high tech things that happened. The set really changed too um, between New Jersey and, um, and New York and off Broadway. Um, um, but, you know, that's part of the journey, right? Like sometimes um, the, sh the cast may change and we did have some cast changes. Um, sometimes the, the design team might change because um, it's, you know, people's schedules. It gets really hard to juggle all that stuff. And um, and so there were a lot of changes, I think. And, and I think that all the changes were really positive and they really helped further the story along. What? Do you think, kind of going back on what I asked you in The Lightning Leaf, what do you think was your most favorite part about that production? I would say my favorite part of Be More Chill on Broadway was getting to sing Michael in the Bathroom um, as a Filipino Ecuadorian who didn't see people like me in entertainment, knowing that every night I got to sing like the big song from the musical alone on a stage and I got to share a really heartbreaking and devastating moment for this character, knowing that there might be um, little Filipino kids in the audience or little Ecuadorian kids in the audience um, who are looking at, up at me on stage and thinking to themselves, well, if he can do it, so can I. That was really like, that's the best feeling in the world. And so I would say that that is my favorite part of the, of the show. Also meeting all the fans after every show at the stage door, specifically meeting little Filipino kids and little um, Ecuadorian kids and, and young gay kids, like young LGBTQ kids, um, getting to create um, uh, a connection with the, with the very people who were responsible for the show getting to Broadway. Because without the fans, we would never would have gotten a chance to bring Be More Chill even off Broadway. Right. So the, the fact that I got to sing Michael in the bathroom on a Broadway stage for six months is all because of the fans, all because of um, everyone who fell in love with the musical and shared it with their friends. And, you know, so giving back to the fans and also experiencing Michael in the bathroom every night um, on Broadway was like mm, the best. 
Yeah, um, I I can't place who, but I remember I was talking to this one person, and they were like, uh, they're, I'm pretty sure they were something, like, they were a mix of, like, five races, so that's, the, the more races you have, the some slimmer the chance it gets to kind of see some people like you, and no. she said, like, there was someone with, like, the exact same genetic makeup as she did, and they were like, you know, my, now you're my idol, and I was like, oh my gosh, even just hearing about that makes me want to cry. Yeah, it makes me want to cry, too. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's really magical. Representation is so important, right? Um, I think about me growing up and how I, you know, my whole family, my Filipino side, everyone is a doctor, everyone's a dentist, everyone's in the medical field. And so that's where I thought my future was, right? But then I got to forge my own path and I got to um, create my own journey and I committed to it and I worked really hard. And now on the other side of it, I get to be someone that hopefully inspires young people who um, otherwise wouldn't feel seen and wouldn't feel represented. I get to inspire them hopefully to dream big and reach for the stars, you know? It's a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so great when you see all these like great stars with a great representation like you and they they people like you who like try to make it like seen that like they representation representation matters and that they're like every they can use like they're like not like power but like influence. Yeah, yeah, influence and platform to make a difference in the world yeah you know what what back in the day when I wanted to be a doctor I wanted to be a doctor because I saw how my mom who's a nurse I saw how much of a difference she made in the lives of all of her patients and I wanted to be a part of that I wanted to help people and to my surprise as an actor I've gotten to help people and it makes me feel really grateful for my journey and grateful for my opportunities and grateful for the fact that, um, you know, while I might not be saving lives in a hospital, my art can help save lives in some small way. You know, even if it's just one person who listens to Michael in the bathroom and feel and says to themselves, wow, I'm not the only one who feels this way sometimes. Um, and then it takes a little bit of the pressure and edge off of them. That's why I love doing what I do. I think um, my art is most powerful when I'm creating for other people. And so I always try to dedicate all my work to someone different every night. So every night of Be More Chill, I dedicated my performance to someone else. And sometimes it was my mom, sometimes it was my dad, sometimes it was my nieces, sometimes it was the per the first person in the front row that I made eye contact with, you know? Sometimes it was a stranger. But when you make art for other people, it's always going to be so much better than if you make art for yourself. Yeah, and I feel like what a lot of people have been like realizing, especially like in this, well, the decade just started, so I guess last decade, is that art is a really powerful way to make impact and you have fun when making art, so you're like making it an impact on the world, but you're also having fun. Yeah, is... you're doing it without even knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So again, as like contrasting that, what do you think was the most challenging part about the production of Be More Chill? Kind of like straying back to what we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. The most challenging part of Be More Chill on Broadway for me was my voice. Um, 
when you go to Broadway, um, everything changes. <laughs> the stakes are so high, right? Because there's millions and millions of dollars funneled into a show. And so a part of that is also, you know, yes, I do my show six times a week, but during the day, if I'm not rehearsing, I'm doing interviews or I'm singing on, you know, um, uh, uh, Ryan and Kelly uh, in the morning. Um, and so when you are using your voice all day and you're singing Michael in the bathroom multiple times in a day, your voice gets tired. And as it gets tired, you risk um, what's called hemorrhaging. And so when I was um, second preview, the second performance of Be More Chill on Broadway, I got to Michael in the bathroom and I couldn't sing the high notes. And I'd never had that problem before. And so the next morning, my voice teacher, Amanda Flynn, she's the best human being in the world. She took me to my doctor and he put his little um, scope. It's called a uh, laryngoscope. And he put it um, towards the back of my throat to take a look at my vocal cords. And sure enough, on one little spot on my vocal cords, there was a little bit of blood. And when that happens, your vocal cords can't produce sound because it's swollen and it's it's healing. So I had to take about three weeks off of the show and completely be silent. Um, and that was really hard for me. That was really depressing because I had worked so hard with my friends to get the show to Broadway and we finally got it there and I couldn't perform the show. So it was the saddest I've ever been. But then three weeks later, we checked, We I went back for a follow-up and the blood was gone and I jumped back into the show and I fin- and I, I did the run and, and it was everything I wanted it to be. But like, yeah, the cha- the most challenging part of that was, was, um, dealing with my vocal issues. It was really, um, that was very, very emotionally challenging for me. So another thing that I thought would, was kind of challenging is what was kind of like the process of you guys hearing about you having to close? Um, yeah, it was sad, um, but we saw it coming. So the formula for a show closing on Broadway is, is pretty standard. Usually what happens is, um, you look out into the audience and the seats are start, you start seeing more empty seats. Um, we had empty seats because theater, commercial theater is basically like if the New York times reviewer doesn't like your show, um, they'll kill your show. And so that's basically what happened was the reviewer at the New York Times who is also for the record the same reviewer who said Wicked was a bad show, but Wicked is still running. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said Rent was too loud. And Rent became this musical that was the voice of an entire generation. Um, he came to review our show and he said, I understand why these young people like the show, but it's just not for me. And he was very mean about the show and it, um, and people take his opinion like it's gospel. So, um, when that review came out, we were like, okay, we had a feeling he was going to say that, but then we knew, okay, this is going to be kind of challenging. And then, um, Tony nominations came out and there was one Tony nomination for much, very well-deserved for Joy Connors as the uh, composer and lyricist. And that was it. So we realized, okay, we're probably going to close soon after the summer. 
Um, we'll stay open through the summer because uh, families will be on vacation. But once the fall starts and once school goes back in, we probably won't be able to stay open. So we were all kind of expecting it. And, um, and so when it happened, obviously we were all really sad and uh, bummed. But I'll tell you what, this is a group of people that made the most out of every single night that we had left in that theater. We really made the most out of it. And I think like a lot of things, like they've closed, like how earlier this year, like Frozen and Beetlejuice have closed, but their like fan base is still like so strong and like not much, like the legacy slash the aura slash the energy of like the fans still lives on. And I see still so many like um, symbols or like clips, like fan accounts that are still like posting to these days because just because it's gone doesn't mean it's like really gone it just yeah it's gone from live shows every night yeah be more chill the legacy of be more chill i think is going to be really beautiful i mean i still get tagged in drawings of michael and um and our art is inspiring other people to create art, right? So that's how the chain continues. That's how the life of a show lives on. And so Be More Chill gets to live on in the through the artwork of all of its fans and through the love that all the fans have for it. Um, and then the show transferred to London. It had a great London run that closed prematurely because of the pandemic. And then there was supposed to be a production of Be More Chill in Chicago. So the legacy is still very much alive. Um, we just have to get through this pandemic and then um, Be More Chill can, can put its shoes back on and get back out there. Yeah. So now, uh, would you be comfortable playing a little game of Finish the Lyric? Of course. Yeah, so it's just a mixture of some of your shows, and it goes from about nine nine words to two words, and then one like really iconic line that I just wanted to see if you remember. Okay, I'm really bad at remembering <laughs> my lyrics from old shows, so this is going to be really fun. Or it'll be a disaster. Either way, it'll be good for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, now... So I so here's how it goes. So I'll say it, and if you want a hint, I will f I will give you either the song. Yeah, I'll probably give you the song because it's either going to be from Bill More, Be More Chill, or Lightning Thief. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm nervous. So, first nine. Now, should I take a bus or walk instead? Should I take a bus or walk instead? Uh, oh, I know that it rhymes with dread. I, um, uh, should I take the bus or walk instead? <laughs> Full of dread. That's all that I remember. Oh, that's bad. You were really... Are you here? Uh, I feel my... Sh I feel my something filling up with dread. I feel my... Stomach filling up with dread. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next eight lines, dude. You are cooler than a vintage cassette. Dude, you are cooler than a vintage cassette. Bum bum bum. It's just that no one else but me knows that yet. It's just that no one else but me thinks that yet. Thinks. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and then seven words. Dude, I swear, here, check my arm. Dude, I swear, check my arm. See, I just used the word to emphasize the point, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. You're doing way better than you thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> okay. Your ticks and fidgets are persistent. See, the problem is, is that I was never on stage when the squip was there because he mm -hmm. optic nerve blocked me. So I was never there. Okay, wait. Uh, ticks and fidgets are persistent. Uh, something is, is non-existent. Uh, you see ticks and your something is non-existent and your help. Uh, you know, this is starts with a C. And you, uh, your charm is non-existent. Mm -hmm. And then, so now it's off to four words. <sighs> okay. Okay. Bring on any challenge. This is from Lightning Thief. Uh, yeah, this is from Bring on the Monsters. Actually, no. Oh, it's not? Oh, is this Killer Quest? Ooh, I don't know what this <laughs> one is. It's from My Grand Plan. Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so repeat the lyric for me one more time. Bring on any challenge. I can do, if you would like, I can say the words before that. Yeah, can you? Yeah. You better wise up, because I'll rise up. Bring on any challenge. Got it. Bring on any challenge. And the world will notice me. Uh, uh, and someday the world will notice me. And someday, soon, someone. Someone will notice me. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Okay, and then now this is just three. It's not even a complete line. It's just three words of a line from Good Kid. Okay. All the schools. <laughs> All the schools. Oh. Six schools in six years, been kicked out of every place. Same old story. Sorry, I have to do the whole song. Same old song. Don't act out. Don't Be strong. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to all the same. I'm back your back first. You're always to blame. I never do anything. I never do anyone. I don't know this one, Lucy. You got me. All the school. It's one of the. It's the one that kind of drifts. It's like the bridge, maybe. It's yeah, yeah. All the schools in six years, every battle, every day. Oh. So close, because you were like, I guess, guess I'm, so what it goes, it's guess I'm good for nothing at all the schools in six years. Oh, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, wow, that was hard. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then now, this is only two words, but it oh. is a song that we talked about, and it is a song that you are in, and you So were hopefully I remember this. <laughs> yeah. So, the tree... On the hill, mm -hmm. at the top of the hill. <laughs> okay, and then this one, last one, it's not one word, because one word's just so hard. Cause... That's mean, not hard. <laughs> that would be mean. 
Uh, so it's just a really iconic line of a really iconic song. I'm hanging in the bathroom at the biggest party of the fall. I'm hanging in the bathroom at the biggest party of the fall. See, it's hard because there's, I'm hanging, I'm hiding. There's like, that's how a lot of them start. I am hanging in the bathroom at the biggest party of the fall. But I'd rather fake pee than stand awkwardly. Mm-mm. It's, I'll give you the first two words. I could. Okay. Uh, I could. I could. This is hard, Lucy. <laughs> stay. Stay right here or disappear. Mm-hmm. And nobody even notice at all. Yep. Well, you also, even now with the little mistakes, you still did pretty much better than you thought you would okay so what if this was a test a school test and Mm -hmm. i and you had to score me zero to a hundred um what would you what would my grade be for this exam well it was 10 songs so i'm gonna do it out of 10 i would say seven and a half because the half is a lot of things you kind of got wrong but i gave you a hint and then you got it (laughs) so you gave me a 75 percent, which is technically a c (laughs) <laughs> my mom would kill me my parents would be so mad if I brought home a C I always had to get straight A's oh boy well that was a pop quiz and so pop quizzes you know kinda don't count cause you can't prepare for them you just exactly. gotta exactly <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for agreeing to come here and talking with me today of course lucy thank you so much for having me and um congratulations on being an amazing um interviewer i can't wait to watch your career thanks for listening to another broadway brains by lucy episode with george salazar i hope you enjoyed and stay safe and stay happy bye